excellent. Welcome to Pelicast episode 
I guess, yeah, episode one. Because yeah. like yesterday was episode zero. If any of you tuned in, you would have noticed that there was no sound. And it was a mystery to us. I have no idea why the sound wasn't working. I could hear it through the headphones. Uh, we spent, you know, close to an hour setting up all the equipment. And then there was no sound. And it turns out it was only the monitor, not the output. But now we have real audio, and now we are a podcast. How are you this morning, John? I'm well. How are you, Jordan? I'm well as well. The purpose of the Pele cast is to show you people doing well that are part of the Pele community. This is John, the Johniverse, and he is acting producer of the Peleverse cartoon that we are in the works for, turning it into something that we hope could be as big or bigger than the cryptocurrency decentralized side of things. Uh, we think it's really important to get this message of decentralize everything out there uh, to a degree, right? To change the systems we live in in society to make them more about the people and less about the big tubes, decentralized forms of control that we've always known. I am a wild Gorshian on Telegram and in spirit. My name is Jordan and I've been spearheading the Pele Project for a few years. We're full of just really good people. Do you want to give a background about yourself, John, so you could people can understand why you're sitting here with me? Sure. Uh, well, where to begin? Um, you know, by trade, uh, I'm an entertainer. I'm an actor, comedian, creator, producer type, multidiscipline artist, and I've been working in Hollywood for over 15 years. Uh, some of you might have seen my work with the Brother Monkeys, uh, the Ska Brothers, the Johnverse. Uh, I've been running around making merriment for quite a while and it's been beautiful and I've learned a lot merriment much merriment and uh you know prior to that uh, I was an army officer I, w I went to West Point I graduated from West Point and as a systems engineer <laughs> and uh which is fun and that's what helps me be able to assist Jordan and, and creators and creating universes and creating like you know these extended systems and when I was in the military, I, I worked at a high level. I worked at uh, war planning uh, for the Iraq war, and I was a Black Hawk pilot. That's the job title, right? uh, war planner. Yeah, war planner. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just planning some wars. Nothing. Oh, just throw a throw pillow over there. We'll throw a bombing raid over here, some State Department pressure over here, and it'll just look great in the spring. It'll be, it'll be dope. So you're no longer doing that. I'm no longer mainlining beer. LSD. No, I still have mainlining LSD, but I gave up uh, war planning. It's not good. It turns out war planning, not good. So I'm right. now I'm doing the opposite. I'm taking all the war planning. I'm taking all the stuff from the system that they taught me. I was trained and educated by the establishment, and I'm bringing it out here to us, the free-loving people, to create with Jordan. It's Jordan's vision, this beautiful you know, creator verse that is, uh, you know, in its nascent stages right now. I think I wouldn't attribute the vision to me. I would attribute it to the greater scope of humanity, but it, yeah, it, I, I feel like there's been other attempts, uh, whether they were legitimate or not, at least in the blockchain cryptocurrency space, I've seen other attempts to decentralize Hollywood and the entertainment industry and things like that, because we all know like we grow up with Disney movies, we grow up with a certain type of programming in our entertainment because we love content. Humans love content. We like to be entertained. And that has led us to kind of where we are now, which is just kind of a global shit show of all kinds of misinformation, disinformation, ignorant people, 
poor education systems, just all of the above. And when we talk about war planning, right, what's like one of the most important priorities for getting public support for a war, it's the media. <laughs> yeah. It's the public perception of it. And that's one thing that's always frustrated me. I've, I, I'm a little background about me. I've basically been a filmmaker my whole life. I've worked, I've had a camera, you know, so 10 years old, I started editing with a computer that I could put the Firewire i1394 port uh, when I was 12. <laughs> and, you know, I always just have really enjoyed telling stories. And when I hang out with friends, like sleepovers in high school, we just make videos, you know, like <laughs> stupid videos. And But that's just what we always did. And so it was always kind of in my heart to be, I think it's a great form of connection is to work together to, to create something. And that's a lot of where the Pele spirit is derived from is, you know, we well, can it, provide it, a lot of our own information in the world as well as entertainment when we work together. Instead, we've been allowing entities, centralized entities like Hollywood, like mainstream media, to provide it all for us. They tell us content is king. They say, consume, consume, consume. You are a passive audience member. That is your role. Spend your money, watch our shit, and boom. Yeah. Uh, here we are today. <laughs> Yeah, I honestly like uh, the first break I had in entertainment was I was one of the first. I got first got famous on MySpace. I was one of the first generation of people famous on MySpace, is the Ska Brothers, and then I was one of the first people famous on YouTube. My brother and I like we were the first. We basically invented the webisode. To be honest, like we were the first ones to have a webisode format on YouTube, and we were in the first uh, phase of people being famous on there. In fact, we took a ton of heat because at the time YouTube was only vlogs, and we were doing a show. And people got mad. Like we were the first ones to come in with like a two to five minute like scripted webisode, and people got so mad at us. But you know, we also got invited to like you know Newsweek and Time and stuff like that. So, but that was the first break from that centralized like control of everything. And then, well, we ended up meeting in what like twenty thirteen thirteen, and because you, you were working on. Why don't you tell them about how we started working together? Yeah, well, I was on my way to Nepal. I had just done a crowd fundraiser to do a film in Nepal and uh, it was going to be about uh, Tibetan singing bowls which I found in certain circles are a really nice device for relaxation and meditation and they are like by experience you're like wow I'm really relaxed right now these are great but in a lot of new age circles there's like a lot of woo woo surrounding it like oh your chakras and you know so I'm like okay well I'm curious what the, the people from where these things are from what they think so I raised some money with my new YouTube channel where I wore a camera on my forehead and I called the, it's a film, uh, it was finished. It's a good film. The crowdfunders called, it was called Going to Nepal with a Camera on My Forehead. <laughs> and I, I, I named it that at first to be kind of cute, but it turned into, uh, I think, a really good title for the movie because it did tell my story as well. It was kind of, I wouldn't call it a documentary. I wouldn't call it a, a like a narrative. It was like, it was, it was a gonzo, it was gonzo adventure. It was super gonzo. Yeah. Cause uh, things did happen. A and lot it was of mystical. crazy shit happened that interacted with, interacted with YouTube. Like, uh, we had a video go viral. I had a video go viral while uh, there was a crisis going on. There was an earthquake, and I, I had a camera rolling on my forehead because we were jamming, and we all ran outside. Everyone's freaking out, and it was just, like, super authentic and real reactions of people going, like, wow, what's going on right now? And the video went viral overnight, and I kind of got to experiment experience a little bit of what that what that's like 
uh, to just have some attention and you got to kind of channel it the right way and people trying to scam you out of your money and I ended up selling the rights to that video <laughs> for like 1500 bucks because I was broke I had no more money and to me it was just like some blessing in disguise even though I knew I would probably need the rights to that for my film one day and so instead <laughs> I just released the whole film in parts on my YouTube channel so their video just remains their video on my channel and then there's the other parts but uh, where that whole story leads is to yeah is to Pele eventually but after the earthquake a bunch of foreigners tourists and expats that had really grown to appreciate the Nepalese people and really connect with them including myself we started raising money online and making GoFundMes and saying hey we're going to buy a bunch of food supplies tarps we're going to rent a 4 by 4 and we're going to drive it out to the boonies because this was still like a week a week after the earthquake less and people were still wondering you know if there's going to be aftershocks that bring down more homes and stuff so I documented that whole process and we were a really interesting group of, of white people of, of not actually no not just white there was a guy from uh, Tanzania there um, so we weren't just white a lot of these people had never seen a black guy actually we went into the villages of Nepal and they were like blown away and then we also had a guy from Venice Beach who was dressed like a Indian sadhu like a yogi type <laughs> who is not just dressed like that he has a huge beard he just lives that lifestyle and he was with <laughs> us speaking to them and doing all their customs and like they're like what is this white guy doing he's like, like your C-3PO we were so weird and I was and I had a camera on my forehead so we it made for a, it made for some interesting content but anyway the whole world was seeing mainstream media was showing just death and destruction and all the houses falling in Kathmandu oh my god you know these people are you know so screwed and it was just like a whole shit show and everyone's messaging me like are you okay and I'm like yeah everything's fine I mean yeah houses fell down and a few people died some people died but a lot of the deaths were not from the earthquake itself it was because of the you know response after and a lot of irresponsibility from from the way the whole crisis was managed but what I saw on the ground floor and what we video was community resilience people coming together from all over the world with different resources to get this done and I made videos I came back to town I uploaded the videos and we raised more money with the videos so I realized media is a crucial tool here because you know you could you could send money to the Red Cross after you hear about the 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 crisis the disaster on television and you know maybe your money to the Red Cross will eventually reach a real person but that just travels the red tape of bureaucracy most of the time with those big organizations they're just these big ships but when you are doing things peer-to-peer like we were doing in real life we could actually like be in a little speedboat and get out there and bring the bring the supplies bring bring aid and so that became kind of like my my mo for a long time i'm like how do we turn media and information that comes from media and even entertainment yeah how do we turn that into more of a peer-to-peer i don't even want to say a process but a peer-to-peer activity overall yeah well and you didn't you didn't stop there i think i think it's important for people to know that like not only did you go to nepal and like learn those lessons which were deep and plentiful especially being in a time of crisis where the international spotlight was on you and, and you got to fundamentally understand the effect and leverage of media in a decentralized fashion for what you're doing especially to like show that you know because there's multiple truths always like in terms of perspectives but like 
what impressed me was you went from there and for a lot of people they made a stop there but then you continued to travel the globe and and you built on your community building skills is what i saw and you started you progressively started to identify that there were developing communities that didn't have like access to the level of tech or media decentralization that we were accustomed to let's say and you travel by travel started identifying the sociological utilities that these different communities had and you started like to me that's when like you really you really started like coming up with like this structure for like how you would create like you know a Pele community of like oh these are like digital needs these are like creator needs these are higher level needs because you were also seeing the on the ground like food and water shelter needs which you know have to be satisfied before you get to you know creator needs but then as we can get into later we can dis discuss like the the role that creation has for us as homo sapiens as a real need Right, it's what's yeah, it's what's brought us here. Yeah, <laughs> and the history of form of Homo sapiens. But yeah, my journey from Nepal led me to creating more films of authentic voices and stories in the world, with the guise of positivity of just like, hey, even people in what we would deem as like a shitty situation, they're actually still like positive and resilient and they're not victimizing themselves and they they work through their issues and uh you know when i feel like on a communal perspective when we have that perspective when we have that perspective we're, we're super <laughs> too many perspectives baby <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're super more more uh interested in helping each other out like when we're like oh yeah i've got this problem and it sucks you know and i'm working on it or as opposed to ah, i've got this problem no, what, what was me <laughs> you know you're kind of like it takes a certain kind of person that maybe would also be tone of that to be oh let me help you you know and and there's there's a time and a place for that but i think as humans that thrive on community it's a lot more effective when we're all just like, yeah, problems are a part of life and we got to just truck through them and, and then we go, oh, hey, oh, yeah, I got something that can totally help you with that problem. Really? Oh, my God, <laughs> thank you. You know, and, and that that's helped a lot. That's that's happened all the time with the development of this project. So from Nepal, I, I took this authentic storytelling, filmmaking across the world, telling stories of different people, capturing their voices. Uh, and I realized, yo, y'all, no one needs me. I have a fancy camera and a gimbal and a microphone, but like anyone can do this. Anyone that wants to travel, which from my socioeconomic demographic, like everyone wants to travel or wanted to travel. I don't know. I'm kind of sick of traveling at the moment because it's a disaster, but anyone can take out their smartphone, answer some questions, make a template. And that's what the Pele storytelling guide is. It's a template for making your own effective video that tells a story. And that's something that we want to improve upon in the coming years and make it fashionable to tell stories of your neighbors, like yeah. good stories. And, you know, there's going to be bad stories, too, of our neighbors, Like, because let's face it, if we don't come together in more like real life community in the coming years, like things are going to be things are tough. Things are already getting tough. We got hyperinflation. We got money printer go burr. We got potential food shortages. Who knows? And disaster scenarios may not play out as we think. But the point is, is that this centralized form of consumption 
that we've all come to know has disconnected us as communities. And when we are in communities, we can live and thrive with less resources, less money, less stress. Uh, yesterday, we had a really good point on this. With how many hours per day did hunter-gatherers need? They estimate like 15 to 25 hours per week is all you need. And then the rest of it is formed as like entertainment and that's people like providing for themselves, like hunting their own foods, finding their own foods, creating their own dwellings. Yeah, I think, it, well, in that time they were nomadic. So, you know, finding their oh, dwellings, right. yeah, finding, finding a rock outcropping or, you know, like whatever they were doing, if they had their little circuit or, you know, whatever. But yeah, just like, because you figure you find if you if you do a kill, you're pretty much good for a week or two. If you have like a large enough, you know, prey and you do a little hunting and gathering, get your water together and, you know, build a fire. And you're pretty much like, OK, what are we going to do the rest? Are we just going to Netflix and chill around the fire? I guess. Yeah, we're going to sing, dance, probably fuck. Right. Do all oh, yeah. the things that bring us pleasure as homo sapiens. Yeah. Go to the beach. If, I mean, some, if you can find a beach. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if the, I guess we go far back enough. Go there, surfing. There well, go paragliding. Say, hey, they we, we did. <laughs> they say before the, uh, when the you know West came over to, I forget what the island was in the Caribbean. It's a smaller one, but one of the first Tonkas, I want to say. I, I don't know. Uh, all that they had such an abundance of tropical fruits and you know wild pigs or whatever it was. These people hardly worked at all. All they did, <laughs> all they did was make love and surf. Oh man! They literally surfed. They made their own planks. Well, that's the end of my podcast. I have to go find this island, folks. That's what I'm saying. They're gone. <laughs> but and then here we have we have this this centrally controlled civilization that believes we have to go to work 40 hours per week to survive. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot yeah. of that's been, you know, a lot of that's breaking apart. It, it's breaking apart fast. And that's where, that's where, that's where Pele comes from. That's where the whole decentralized metaverse comes from, in essence. Uh, to wrap it back around to, to Pele, to content creation, to, to combating that system that we all know is imagine content let's go back to these hunter-gatherers or any kind of in indigenous tribes yeah uh what's a what's big on the list of kind of celebratory or ceremonial activities dancing making music together whether that's with drums or other kinds of of instruments and dancing and like dancing is this super carnal form of expression you're of creating you're creating this movement with your body it's using that creative spirit of your body to to do so making music obviously and when you're doing that all in synergy it creates this this energy that a lot of us may not have experienced in our time today in our world today however we can attribute it to concerts yesterday you brought up a good example of a fish concert oh my god Fish and just to preface so it, I would like you to share that story again. But the preface is when we're in those scenarios where we're just wrapped up in the moment, having so much fun, like in such this state of bliss, like, oh, there's music and I'm dancing and oh, I'm so happy, you know, and just allowing ourselves to be in that happy state of creation, because creation is a very broad term, that we don't care about the content. I don't need to fucking film it. Excuse my language. Sometimes I, I like to accentuate my points, but we don't need to film it. We don't need to, you know, save no. it for later or put it on. Sometimes, TikTok. sometimes the moment and the connection is too delicate, and it won't survive filming. It won't survive the self awareness of trying to like capture the moment. That's another thing. Like if you're, let's say you get into a jam. Like I'm sure you've been in a jam, and you know you didn't even plan on getting in that jam that day, and you get to a point where you're like, oh my gosh, like a real song is coming out organically in 
a lot of times you'll have an instinct to want to like record it but if you do nine times out of ten it's going to disappear that's always been my problem especially as a traveling filmmaker we'll get into a jam and i'll be like i gotta put the mic out for this because <laughs> yeah. it'll make great background music <laughs> sometimes it works but cancel like stopping the moment to do stopping it stopping the moment is like because it's an organic thing like energy flow like the the energy flow is comes from a different realm and it flows through us in our style, our craft of art, whatever the discipline may be, uh, whether it's acting, singing, dancing, joking, whatever it is, uh, it's just coming through us. And we're sort of like channeling it to a bit and like controlling it a little bit, but like you can't, there are certain mechanisms that are too gross that will impede it. And that's kind of like what you're getting to is like, if you get lost in the moment, that's like when the pure stuff happens and a real pro knows that like a real pro, that's why you set up a stage or a studio and you go, okay, look, there's going to be like a period of time where I get in there and we're going to bring in the real deal. And when the real deal rolls in, you go with it. But the problem is if you roll in and you, and the real deal starts to come in and then you try to like do some technical stuff, it can like mm. stop the faucet. When you start thinking about it, when you start thinking about it, yeah. it puts you in a, your brain is basically like, you know, the thousand pedal lotus that is the opening of the crown chakra is basically a flesh antenna inside your brain there are chakras again and when you start pulling in i mean like when you start pulling in you know the energies into you uh if you to open up those higher brain functions to be the receptive antenna to do like a multi-spectrum creativity you know it's display it's infinite you can literally do anything you can literally do anything if you if you screw up the antenna a little bit the reception gets off it's super simple yeah you could do anything but muscle memory helps practice you know learning like i was trying to learn the trumpet because a friend of mine who really inspired me uh was saying like look the trumpet a really good example of what you're saying tapping into that creative energy which is a realm that is well documented in lots of different sociological anthropological um explorations like joseph campbell and the power of myth we talk about archetypes, you know, you could talk about the warriors, the kings and the queens. You could talk about dragons, you know. How did dragons show up in different cultures all around the world that in didn't limousines. have any communication? In limousines? <laughs> That's how dragons show up. They show up in limousines. Oh, okay. Well, uh, how did dragons show up? And so there's this, I guess, argument to be made that there is a, a realm of creativity that we can tap into as humans. And in that realm, there are living beings or something like dragons that whatever but anyway any uh, those of us that do love to create artists and that's a lot of of our community right now is we we've all kind of tapped into this in in some way shape or form which is when i dive into a project i'm just doing that project and we this might be a long-winded way of discussing (laughs) that we've been so programmed to just think everything we're doing needs to be about the content I need to make this podcast so we have the content on there, which is why we're doing this. So, you know, you guys can get to know us, right? To get to know the team, the people that are behind trying to do this. But the fact is, it's also fun. And when we allow ourselves to be like, okay, cool, we're having a conversation, then it's not, it's not, it's not so much about the content that comes after. It's about the creation process because we're all creative beings from the very get go. So tell us your fish story. Oh, so my fish story. So, uh, been doing this, I was doing this Hollywood bowl season, 
uh, with my brother and we're street performers and we would dress up in these outrageous outfits and we would go around LA and Hollywood performing and we ended up doing a full season at the Hollywood Bowl and we were like seven or eight bands into the season and this woman at the end she saw us I was in a clown wig and a loud jacket and my brother was like in a king's crown and a ridiculous jacket and she's like she came up to us at the end of this concert I forget which concert that was but like she said oh you have to go to fish tomorrow and we were exhausted I was like I don't know man and like she's like no here's tickets and it was great because the show was sold out so we're like okay cool we'll go and we show up and we walk in and it was unlike any other concert I've been to because we walked in prior to the show starting and the bowl was already packed and this is LA where LA people LA people show up late it doesn't matter who you are LA people rolling late not to fish the bowl was packed and everybody was deep on their acid trip already and I was like what's going on and we walk in and the vibe is just amazing there the collective is like connected and it was like walking into the middle of the sun the energy was so good and i was like what's going on this is great and i walk in and my first instinct was like take a picture and which i don't normally do but like i go grab it and the dude comes up and he's like there's no you're not taking any freebies at fish man we don't do that <laughs> and he's like ruins the vibe and i was like dude's right and and that was the the ethos of the crowd was like be connected be present in the moment and the way it worked as it comes to find out is they start playing and you have the huge crowd here and you have fish down here and the whole crowd would send in the waves of vibes to the band and then the band who they they're musicians who are like multi-genre musicians and their trick is that they play the vibes they take the vibes in from the crowd and they walk the music around to like and what that's the really crowd hard is. to explain into words it's hard to explain it's, into words yeah. and when, but when you're there and you're connecting you're like dude he's playing like they would take a song that they have like a standard song they have and they would walk it through like 10 different genres that they were feeling from the crowd it could go from like bluegrass to rock to classical to like you know like zydeco to like whatever and then they bring it back to their hippie jam you know their secret sauce blend like the fish blend right and then they would do it all over again with like another song or a cover i mean it was like it was a musicology lesson and it was all sourced from the crowd and it worked and everybody in there knew it it was like a huge form of like i don't want to call it group sex but there's no other like just well, like a group dance and I don't it's know. something that's been conveyed in different popular you know pop art over you know the 20th century there was a movie there was it was a book first called Grande in french like the frog and it was about a, a guy who basically makes perfumes from like virgins or something like that. He's like a parfumier. He makes all these amazing perfumes. And then he ends up making like these perfumes, I think from virgins he like murdered, right? Something, mm. you know, whatever. Yeah. But then he ends up getting executed. He's on the gallows to be executed. And someone, or it was him, like opens it up and everyone smells it. And the whole crowd that's there to watch him get executed turns into a giant orgy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know why that story came to mind. But yeah. the uh, this thing about music and any kind of art, when you're like, it's the same thing with when you're painting or something. Even if you're just making a YouTube video, and I'm not trying to bash content creators by saying you're just trying to make content because yeah, that's how we make livelihoods. But the this creative spirit that we do get into as we're making that content really does invoke a response from the audience. And for example, I tried to make YouTube channels for years. The audience didn't vibe or not to the degree that that worked for me. And so my content never shifted 
my creative process never shifted to you know include that audience relationship and it eventually fizzled out and because content creation especially media production can be such a complex complicated long drawn out process how do we create a system that really allows that creative spirit and the creation process to take priority while still not compromising the quality or the relationship with the audience. And that's where the Pele PFTs come in. That's where our whole idea comes in, is how do we really enrich in these relationships with audiences and content creators yeah. so we, we can be musicians on stage with our crowds <laughs> while we're making videos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> like we, we have all this experience of like, collaborative processes, multidiscipline processes, digital publication, and how do you create a system for a person who's not necessarily even like an experienced creator who can come in, feel comfortable, and collaborate, feel the stoke of creation. The stoke. The stoke, and then have it within an ecosystem that where all of what we're doing, the community, it's, it's, a, it's aggregating value into, you know, the crypto side, you know, into the digital worth side. And everyone participating is incentivized to do so and, and, and do so well. And what's neat is kind of like that guy at your fish concert that said, hey, we don't do that here. You know, that's kind of like a, what we want to be a built-in mechanism, like built into our protocol on Pele is someone joins in that, you know, I mean, there is space for people that just want to make money. But they're going to be investing. They're not going to be just joining in on the content creation process. But if someone somehow found themselves there, then, you know, not saying we should be mean to other people, but that mentality of like, hey, you know, that's not how, like, naturally that person would not find their way to success. No, on a network like Pella. you're gonna you're gonna choose if you're a creator, you're, you're if you're an artist, if you're a producer, you're gonna go one way, and if you're like a hedge fund guy, you're gonna go another way. Like, that's life. And this process, this system, which there's a great brain trust behind this. Like I, you know, I'm sure Jordan will like you know introduce you to the key figures that are helping power this. But he's got a really great brain trust together. There's a bunch of people who know what they're doing, and they're coming from the right place and trying to create this like very sort of like clean initial ecosystem for everybody to enter into that is it has an open source positive strategy nature to it and it's incorporating creation which is like what it's our highest function as human beings is to create and it's a beautiful thing to engage in and this is a safe space to be able to like learn to do it, to learn to do it with other people, which is really important. And for it to be in the open, in a place where you feel like you're getting value, because you know, part of the part of like with so many avenues to be able to create and put stuff out now, like uh, you know, I have friends like they've had IG accounts forever and they can never get a following, and they always feel disappointed that their posts, which are quality, like they don't attract anybody. You know, it's a common, and it actually like it turns creation on its head because creation should always be like 99% of the time you should feel good about creating something because it's important. Like if you like look at all the animals in nature, very few of them are out there like working on a laptop creating something. Like they're not like animals, very like few. they do rudimentary <laughs> creation. Most of it's instinctual. Like there's a few, there's few you know species that get into intricate creation, like self-aware creation, but very few. And humans, that's like our main gig. Once we're up and running and like we're out of the fear zone and like we're like usually we pop up and we go, oh, I want to create something. It doesn't matter if you're a freaking plumber, an artist, a musician, an architect, exactly. a teacher. It doesn't matter. Like every homo sapien who finally boots up and is out of the fear zone wants to create, especially when you get a certain amount of wisdom. And, 
you know, this is, is for those people because creation expands the universe. It expands us. It helps us grow. It helps us collaborate. And it creates an alchemy within the world that creates a positive energy for the world. Like, instead, like I've, because I've literally sat in the seat of destruction at the highest level. I've literally sat there with people planning the world's destruction. And I know what that vibe is. And now I've literally sat in the driver's seat of high level world creation. And is it a balance? Yeah. Uh, and is one superior? Yeah, yeah, one superior. Like, trust me, you want to be out there. You want to be out there creating. And and that's not like you know a full on like uh, thing saying like I'm not naive to the world that like oh like everyone if you have bad guy you have to take care of evil. Sometimes you got to take out the trash. And so I'm not saying that like destruction is like has no place in nature because that's obviously false. But widespread rampant corporate destruction and control which is prevalent in the globe right now on earth that is unnecessary and the antidote to that is creation it's like artificial destruction because destruction is the other side of the coin right yeah like it's chaos and, and order the, the universe is comprised of both depending on the scale destruction is endemic to the 3d world like i don't know i don't know why there is a system a natural system where like a lot of animals in order to survive the meat they need to survive is attached to other living animals it's a weird sadistic system that like forces them to like actually go out and like destroy other beings to you know to survive yeah it's, it's weird. a weird thing hate the hate the game not the player we we can rise above that and we need to be able to you know engage in these like creative processes Oof. Yeah, I have a story I could go off on that, but I don't think it's relevant enough for the telecast. <laughs> Maybe we'll get into that another time. But the uh, oh, but yeah, the art, but destruction for profit. That's that's mm. the actual evil portion, like right. destruction for profit, which it's been built like you know with the big tubes. Like the big problem with the big tubes is that they are part of corporate portfolios of people who made their fortunes for generations in death industries where killing people has been incentivized in their generations for like freaking like un innumerable generations of their family they have profited off of choreographing death and destruction like alex jones calls them vampires yeah uh, you can call them what you i'm sure every culture has a fucking word for them <laughs> none of them are particularly polite i mean in a lot of cultures they call them the king and the queen so uh, you know, you got to get out of that, and you know well, that's why America the was formed. Industry. America is the America is a freedom algorithm, uh, and you know it's a decentralized freedom algorithm that goes out to all humans, and that's our gig. That's why, and we cannot stop being free. And this is infused into this system because people should be free. You you can never truly be happy until you know that you're free. It's not even enough to be free. You have to know that you're free for you to be cast off the shackles of control. And I would say one way to know you're free and to exercise that freedom is to create. Yes. <laughs> and and it can take I mean it includes dancing naked in your room with yes. no one watching. It's uh not filming it for Instagram, just doing it to do it to your favorite song on very loud uh, <laughs> recently I've gotten into gardening and planting trees and there's something about it where I'm like maybe it's that using my hands there's some kind of neural pathway that triggers that I'm creating and makes <laughs> me feel good and gives me these endorphins but you know putting these plants in the ground uh, moving you know the blocks because I'm hardscaping a wall to make a, 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 a berm for a tree whatever it might be like there's something that feels really good about it also being able to view it after 
to be like, oh, I, I made this. There's something about it. And my mom has studied the, the, the neuroscience of creativity, and we'll have her on one day and we'll talk about this. But it's really important to be able to behold what you've created after. It's part of the process. I think you mentioned, you, you talked to me once about that creative process. You need a few hours. You need, let's say, an hour to get in, two <laughs> hours in there, and then an hour to get out. Right. And yeah, now yeah. it obviously is variable, but you need to respect the process and there needs to be no distractions. You're not open for a text message. You know, you, you're really creating that space to really see what your creativity brings out. And you might not even know what that is. What, like, yeah. I'm just going to be creative right now and I don't know what it is. And that's why a lot of people like plant medicines to help you figure it out. But, uh, <laughs> I think we should come back to the Pele here. But yeah. We've covered the creativity a lot, which so I'm hoping that if anyone's you know watching at this point and you can understand the spirit, this philosophy, creativity is the lifeblood of Pele, of the of the, of, of, of everyone, of everyone, <laughs> of the world, of everyone. Humans. Yeah, creativity is the lifeblood, and there needs to be more. I, I don't want to say just software. It's such a small term, but there needs to be more influence of in the world that that convinces and encourages and empowers us to be creative and in a world where yeah let's face it it's hard to make a living it's hard to 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 get people are all quitting mcdonald's because they're not paying well enough right like this world today is not easy to 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 get by but when we dive into our creativity if we're able to harness that and turn it into something of value, which I think the cryptocurrency Web3 revolution completely epitomizes. It's completely for that. If we can allow our creative spirit to generate not even just a livelihood, but wealth for us, uh, one big part of my early YouTube career was that I was like, why am I putting videos on YouTube? They take half the ad revenue or whatever, enough for it to be like what? Uh, it makes YouTube more valuable, and all I am is a pawn to YouTube. And I'm not saying I've been censored by YouTube or anything like that, because I haven't. I was never you know, talking about anything controversial or I was never big enough. But I just didn't see the point. Like, why am I helping make YouTube more influential and their shareholders and all that? And that's another reason where Pele came from. It's like, I don't need to friggin' own, own the company or the platform, but I wanna be a, a dividend. I wanna get the dividends from it. So if I'm contributing to it and the network as a, as a whole is getting more valuable, yeah, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a shareholder in that and I want everyone to be a part of that. And the more I'm participating and contributing, yeah, the more I am deserved to be rewarded and you and anyone else that is a part of it. And imagine if we can focus on this aspect of content creation and harnessing that creative spirit and the power of collaboration, which we haven't even really touched on. No. Uh, we kind of touched on it as like the musician up on stage and the audience down there but there's something super powerful when we work together as humans once again something else that our corporate programming and our society has made us forget about and another reason why a lot of us like to travel to parts of latin america or africa or asia where people aren't programmed like that and there really is this community spirit of helping one another or working together whatever that may be Com collaboration is just this other level but why don't we take a quick break and show the Pele teaser? Oh, and yeah. then let's get into the let's get into the nitty gritty. Um, so let's see if we can get the audio working here. Oh yeah, the cartoon. Here we go. In a world where profit motivates everything and attention dominates. Content. It rules our lives, and it is our lives. 
It's the only way. Get the internet of the world. How far would you go to get your voice heard? BigTube controls what we see and how we create, and BigTube barely pays us anything compared to what it makes. Maybe BigTube shouldn't be in charge of our content. No, that's not what I meant. Incentivized to outrage and division. <laughs> Censored by politics. Oh, thanks for all the content. Ready? One, two, three. Stretch all of it down. Be too Constricted by centralization, all hope seems lost, but things are changing and changing okay. fast. I can finally see the lights. Oh what should we do with our new powers? Get you some penny, baby. Will you have the courage when the time comes to put your money where your mouth is? Join the network of creators, fans, and investors producing value together and rendering BigTube irrelevant. Content creation just got worth it, baby. Okay, cool. I hope that worked. Um, yeah, so that's the teaser trailer we're working with here. Not just for this web series, but for the project itself. Like, yeah. what's beautiful about cartoons, and John is a cartoon producer, so he can elaborate on this. But we're able to take these complex topics and, <laughs> and and turn them into their own universe with their own characters, with their own villains, with their own with storytelling's mechanisms for making it resonate with us as humans. Because as humans, one of the most well, it's a whole other conversation, but one of the deepest ways of to acquire and retain information is through stories mm -hmm. yeah storytelling is maybe the greatest information uh transfer format that we have at you know in human history almost all of our i mean like when you look at the history like when you look at anthropology uh dude so few things get handed through down through time properly but the oral traditions and the stories they resonate from like thousands and thousands of years that's how powerful they are and they follow that archetype. We can go back to the power of myth, Joseph Campbell. Yeah. With Bill Moyers. <laughs> My friends you know, and I always joked about that in high school when we had to read it. Well, but, and now we have generations of people like who, look, come on, everybody out there, if you're under 30, like, you know how to shoot and make a short video, whether you it's TikTok not or IG, it. you know yeah, how to edit. Everything. Like, trust me, that's such a quantum leap from like the generation, even in the 90s. It's like, I'm a 90s guy, and as great as the 90s were, only a handful of us were comfortable like shooting something, editing it, putting music to it. Like that makes you a filmmaker. I and did like that now in the everybody 90s with a V with a VHS camera. Oh yeah. Where you could stop and then add a transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and that was like cutting edge for like consumer <laughs> on, guess, on the yeah. shelf. For consumer. Yeah. For consumer. And like now look, everybody out there can do it. Like and everybody needs to do it. Because once you start like whether it's you're just posting a selfie or a video, like, dude, everybody's used to being content creators now. And like this is just right. this is this is designed for those people. Like you open up your phone here it's super simple like let's say you're watching this and you're just like you're a teenager and you're like yeah that sounds cool i'll get into that because why not just here's how you replace it in your schedule is like you look at your phone you bring up your phone you find a game that you play too much you delete that game and you put pele in there instead and you start creating with some people and maybe you're gonna like get a bunch of crypto out of it maybe you're gonna make a bunch of new friends maybe you're gonna learn how to make the create the content that you really 
didn't know that you wanted to make because you start collaborating. That leads us into the realm of interface, which everything he's mentioning is in the roadmap, but it's not exactly something that you could do right now. However, we do have a mobile app. It is available on the app and Play Store. Uh, it's with Pele's old branding. It's when we were trying to build a community about video storytelling. Uh, and you could use it. You could record your files. It helps you organize into all the sections to make an engaging story. And then it enables you to upload it right to our services so that someone on the network can send you a bid, a bid and be like, hey, I want to be part of this project with you. Let's talk. So, uh, you know, eventually it'll be a much smoother and, uh, you know, intuitive and just a better process yeah. with cooler apps but interfacing is is infinite with this someone on reddit yesterday was asking like why do we even need blockchain you know to do something like this couldn't you just build it i'm like yeah of course we could just build it but then we're talking about enabling people to crowdfund with their audiences in a world where big tube is full of censorship so you know of course we're gonna need the blockchain for that aspect oh yeah of it. no the world's being the world like let's make no naive mistake here like the world is being currently censored to a large degree whether it's like the corporate news whether it's youtube well, <clears throat> whether it's facebook like and the the way to get around that is to go on the blockchain like that's the key like once you have blockchain you have peace of mind that you can't be censored and that's important for creating yeah and so what i mean to bring up is that the interface potential with something like Pele, it gets really fun. So yesterday on our Forgotten Podcast, we talked <laughs> about like a Tinder alternative, and so obviously Tinder is for something like dating, you know, swipe right if you like, swipe left if you don't. Imagine if uh, it's showing you nearby content creators that have different skills than you that are open to collaborating because maybe they're bored today. Then they're like, hey, you know, nothing to do, why don't we make a video? And this harkens back to my youth where all my friends were not filmmakers, but we always had fun making a video because <laughs> I had a camera. Like, that's just how I think a lot of, at least my generation, I feel like everyone loves making videos. We watch home videos of my parents fucking around in their basement, yeah. you know, in the 80s, like when I'm not even born yet. Yeah. Everyone likes making videos. We're all monkeys with cameras. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. Everybody, yeah. I did this. I did that. I feel. I felt this way. This was today. Hey, that's me. Hey, that's my lunch. Hey, that's my lunch. Hey. <laughs> Check this out. I didn't have to hunt for it. So we got this, uh, these interfaces that, you know, can be endless. That's another reason for the blockchain is when we're just having smart contracts that are helping with this functionality, it's not limited to what we develop. Be like, okay, you have to use our platform. If you mint, if you slice your own PFTs for your project that you need to crowdfund for and produce, you have to use our platform, right? And we steal your data or whatever. No. You can take that and implement it on your own site and do it however you want. And it still uses the smart contract. It still calls those PFTs and it knows who the ownership is based on the blockchain. But I think that's like a, a jump here that the mainstream is still struggling to understand because we're so programmed to centralization where we don't understand, wait a minute, I could take my videos off of YouTube and make a PeerTube instance? I can host all my videos locally, but still communicate with the outside world through the Fediverse? Wait, what? Like, this stuff is like, I mean, it's not even mind-blowing because it's still past the level of, I guess, it's beyond the level of ignorance that most people live in when it comes to things like this. But once we blow through that as a society, which is happening fast, <laughs> yeah, yeah, as we said, things are changing. <laughs> Thanks, Moore's Law. Changing fast. <laughs> that... 
I lost my train of thought here, but the, the We're potential. blowing past into the decentralized yeah. universe. And you can host your own stuff. You can play with all the tools that other people provide, but you can play with it in your own way. Build your own app. Make your own profit from it. You're not, like, this isn't, uh, I mean, Pele Network is a DAO now. As of today, officially, Pele Network DAO is, uh, we've, well, we've sent in the, the form, which I guess legally means we can uh, advertise it as that. But yeah, we are Pele Network DAO in the state of Wyoming, which means anyone that owns a Pele PFT has a say in our government, in our governance. There's 100 Pele PFTs, which will one day be redeemable for half a percent of the total Pele supply. Um, they will not be, um, well, we can get it another time. But if you're into a Pele PFT, if you're into the DAO governance of all this, get in touch because uh, we're, we're looking for you. We're building the tribe up here. But point in case is this isn't some company that makes its own profit. Now, I could make my own company, build my own app that uses Pele smart contracts, and I could charge my own fees, and I can make money. So could you. So could you. So could anyone. But the point of a protocol, as it were, is to allow for all these different points of implementation. I use the term protocol for that. I guess some people would still say platform, could say network. So apologies if uh, I'm using the wrong word here. <laughs> My Someone apologies. shut his phone off. And I hope YouTube doesn't get mad. I don't know what song that is, but it sounds <laughs> copyrighted. <laughs> Yesterday I had this brief spout of, because in that video we have, um, most of the songs I use to soundtrack the, the teaser are all like Creative Commons or, you know, Chloe, Close, like, mm -hmm. so, you know, it's cool. Um, but there's one thing where we use, I shouldn't even mention the track, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's, um, at home workout album <laughs> from the eighties. I don't know if you ever heard this, no. but it's all the classic eighties songs. Like it's raining men journey. Don't stop believing, you know, like all this stuff and he just goes okay bicep curls one and two and like it's the funniest thing because it's like arnold it's the spirit of arnold and yeah he's a joker he knows it's funny yeah but uh we use that in the little complacency exercise scene but I, I i upshift the pitch a bunch and i don't think you can tell like it's a journey song back there but yesterday when the audio wasn't showing i thought did they censor us because of the journey song <laughs> that i upshifted and not give us any notifications or warnings. I'm like, that would be some next level censorship from what I've been hearing. Yeah. Unlike TikTok that just reads your mind. Yeah. <laughs> you do a, a, you said a daily news show, a news clip? Yeah, I do. I do a show called News of the News. It's probably the number one satirical news uh, on TikTok. And I'm, I'm famous on TikTok. I'm not going to lie. The Johniverse, if you want to check me out. And but they, you said they have to review it every time. They review it every time. And it gets worse and worse. And it's a CCP owned app. There's no getting around it. It's like the Chinese government's app. And I know it's spying on everybody. Like there's no getting around it. It's, it's, a, it's a hilarious dance I play because my, because my, my intro to that is uh, today on News of the News coming at you MK Ultra free, <laughs> and it's a whole it's satirical. You know I'm MK Ultra free because I'm a celebrity, but I'm not brainwashed with the MK Ultra, and, and I'm giving this it? a lot of people get because I'm here yeah. for the survivors and like because I don't because I'm not playing. I'm not trying to like it's a it's a niche crowd. That's the other thing too when you're a creator, you go like oh what what demographic are you going for? Like Monty Python is seems stupid to dumb people. Like, cause right. it's, it's educated guys acting silly, which they kind of get, but all the actual material is the deconstruction of the Western educated mind from an yeah. exceptionally high perspective. And that's when it's really funny. Right. And that's why Monty Python's really funny when you get to the very highly Whoa, educated. I, I have to disagree and, with you there. And, and the thing is, is that like, for me, 
I'm not going, I'm going after people that like, they know that the matrix is crap and it's controlled and that like, basically it's a thinly veiled prison system. And like, I'm like, isn't that funny in a gallows humor sort of way? And then I, and then, cause the MSM is all propaganda. It really, the MSM news is all propaganda cause it's all owned by a handful of corporations. MSM is mainstream media. Mainstream media. And so like, I just go through all their websites. I read 15 different, uh, major news sites a day and I go through and I get the aggregate I, I paint a picture of like how ridiculous, like how they're presenting the news is just in the same way that like when you went to Nepal and you saw the truth on the ground of people being resilient and having the human spirit. And for sure there was minor like bureaucratic, like incompetency that was like gumming up productions and corruption, but it wasn't like what they were presenting, like the end of the, the end times in the news, like, Oh my God, there's people's hairs on fire and people stuck in crevices and everything's going to hell. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not, I do that. I just point out their it hypocrisy. Was bad, though. I don't want to take away Away from the disaster aspect, but as no, we're saying, the, the disaster media, was very disastrous. And but the mainstream media only amplifies that aspect of it. Yeah, it doesn't broadcast anything about the non-disastrous. They do parts. a bad In fact, mix. The inspiring part. They're a one-note. They're a one-note song. They're a they're a one-trick pony. It's the same <laughs> trick every day. They don't they don't provide a full spectrum analysis of reality. They don't they're not trying to like present you all the news and they don't present you alternative options. Like I'm an, I'm a child of like 90s alternative music. Like a lot of my, you know, mindset and heart set is from the 90s alternative musicians like Kurt and Eddie Vedder and like Soundgarden all those guys telling me that like look dude there's like evil corporations and they're cloaked and don't trust them like there's like a lot of people that hijack the system and then you know come to like live all these years later and turns out they were telling the truth and that's where the news of the news comes from it's born of that and and that's why like I need to be free I personally I I want to have a decentralized soul and that's what I'm trying to get out of decentralized authority in all those respects. And it's not that like centralized systems don't work. It's at the core of those centralizations, they need to be exceptionally transparent. That's the idea of like right, a democracy. Right. And when the transparency, when you start to question the transparency and you don't, and it doesn't become more transparent, that's when you know it's corrupt. You're like, eh, okay. And this, these types of like organizations are a response to generate communities of people that just like, oh, okay, I get it. Like I'm free. And as simple as that. Yeah. There's definitely a baseline perspective of people that are in part of the crypto community. It doesn't matter what tribe you're on, um, whether it's Zalika or Polygon or whatever it is. Uh, there's definitely a baseline perspective that we don't really have to, you know, bring you up to speed, you know, <laughs> to have these conversations. So that's been something. I, I guess for a few years, I kind of thought my role was to be back there where it's like we're just kind of touching cryptocurrency not even really we're gonna eventually usher usher the users in together and then you know this year the bull run happened and we saw what nfts were capable of and everything and realized nope it's time to do this so um we sold a bunch of ethereum and we (laughs) we funded uh (laughs) what you see before you not this not this this has no funding but the website and everything and the smart contracts but there was something we touched on yesterday, which is eluding me now. We talked about what are some points we, we could bring return ROPs. Oh yeah, return Ret- on return on positivity. Yeah. Yeah, return on positivity. We LA, can we can promise you that with this site. Yeah, that's part of this creative spirit that we, we introduced in the beginning and then going into the creative collaboration aspects and trying to really build an infrastructure where creative collaborations in their freest form are capable of generating value of producing value 
uh, just with the system and the network and the community itself. Um, and what's a beautiful part of all of that when you don't have to deal with crazy contracts and YouTube and advertisements, fucking <laughs> advertisements, you don't have to deal with all this positivity. You just, it's just an overall feeling of well being. Yeah. So yeah, return of investments will also be, uh, ideally, um, good. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, return on positivity should be, you know, at least 10 X. Yeah. Yeah. 10 X. I'm looking, I'm saying 100 X. Yeah. And the, the great part is you can sell it at any time you can and you'll still go to 100 X, but you'll still <laughs> retain your positivity. Yeah. Right. You can sell it and you'll still have it. You can do an ASMR channel for your positivity. <laughs> Welcome to the belly cast. We're doing ASMR edition. Welcome. Welcome. This is just some scalp work. Very relaxing. That's very, one thing I never relaxing. thought would take off the way it did. I remember hearing about ASMR back in the day when there were just a few people like on YouTube and Reddit doing it, but like it's huge now. It's huge. It's a thing. How could it not be a thing? Now that it is a thing, have have you tried ASMR? Have you ever like yeah, used it? And I've have you found it, it effective? Yeah. Effective for what? Stress relaxation, getting you out of your out of your rut. I can't say I tried it for those purposes. I put it on sometimes just to be like, all right, I'm listening to this person talk softly to me. It, it feels intimate. <laughs> it, it feels is, intimate. It, it is intimate. Yeah, and then they, you also are trusting them not to turn the volume up real fast. Yeah, and oh. be like, oh, there's yeah. trust. There's trust issues in there. Yeah, yeah, you gotta well, trust I, them. Yeah, but it could be a technical glitch too. It might not even be conscious. But if I'm listening to a live streamed ASMR person and like I have it on like high, so I can yeah. really feel the complexity of their voice and the, the layers, yeah. and then you got to go with the popular ah! ones like Ting Ting. She's like the number one, and she just does like very like they're they're not they're less intimate. They're more like spa treatments. So I mean, they're intimate, but like they're not personal. They're just not like trying to be like get in your life. Well, none of them are none because them it's are. content. They don't have a relationship with you. They're selling you a piece of content. Yeah. Well, there's one my brother watches. She's like a, one of the top people that does it called like uh, Darling ASMR. And she basically acts like your girlfriend. And I was like, that one kind of crosses the line. That's like a little like, like that that's a little movie, creepy. But, yeah. but like the sixth day or that Arnold movie. Yeah. Like it's like a digital. She's like a digital girlfriend. And like she kind of knows it. And it's a it's a it's too creepy for me i'm like that's a little future dystopian like if you're but you know some people but need that sells. too well it sells because like you know i mean you got to be realistic like you know we're both like let's face it we're both a couple of like decent looking guys and uh but there are sociological needs for people out there that like right. you know i mean like for real like in, in all open-heartedness i mean some people are handicapped some people are like disfigured some people have like barriers to things that they need to do that maybe not be berries for us. And, you know, the digital world can help supplement some of those things for people. And in those cases, it is very like ameliorating for those people. And I, I don't hate on that at all. Cause I'm in, you know, I'm fortunate in a lot of regards. And so, but from my perspective, I don't need it. <laughs> and so it's a little creepy for me. That would be a really interesting topic to explore. Like the application of Pele for, uh, I guess you'd say communities, in those demographics and how creators in the, that category could support these these demographics or even I think it makes me think of the adult entertainment industry where you do have just creators taking direct 
you know, solicitations for do this, do this, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, while yeah. it's like live and happening. <laughs> and like that seems to be working out fine on their systems. And sure, they're mainly centralized for now. I think there was like a spank coin or something. That they were trying to make. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 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 another topic to explore, like what would the Pele, what solution would it be to what they're already doing? You know, like they're already raising the money. They're already working with their audience. I suppose the only thing missing is it for be completely peer to peer because even those transactions go through a middleman, which brings me to podcasting 2.0, which I learned about recently. I started listening to Adam Curry, who uh, invented podcasting, and he has a bunch of podcasts, but he and some people and he he made a huge community of developers that wanted podcasting 2.0 which is eliminates the need for Spotify, for Apple, for, um, sense for hosts that might censor your, your content. But basically what happened and advertisements, mainly it eliminates the need for advertisements more than (laughs) anything, because what it does is you can connect your show via Sphinx relay straight to the lightning network on Bitcoin. So I can tune into your show. I don't know if you can do it live yet. You, I, I'm still researching. I'm actually syncing my Bitcoin node right now so I can reopen my Lightning channel so we can try this on the Pele, Pele cast, the Pele net cast. But basically, you can open it up and say, hey, I want to give 100 Satoshis per minute. 100 Satoshis, I don't know what that is right now. It's probably like less than a dollar. But you could say whatever you want. It could be one Satoshi. Like, I'm going to donate that for every minute that I listen. And it will donate that in real time almost instantly via the lightning network no middleman directly to you or directly to the creator via the lightning network and bitcoin node they have set up in their home yeah no third party no third party <laughs> i you know this this jogs a memory of mine like um when my brother and i when we we're doing the brother monkeys routine down in beverly hills in like 20 it's like 2013 i think somewhere around there and so we would go around rodeo drive all dressed up crazy doing street performing for you know everybody including the tourists and i had a very distinct vision of and i told my brother about it, i said i could see it clearly where i could see somebody basically wearing like google glasses and they looked at us and they and i could see their ar readout on us and all they did was like tap the side of their glasses and it donated money to us like and it became, Wait, that really happened well no i could i know oh, i could, could I, I could literally see it like Google occurring. allowed that. I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, like this is, th- that's going to be a standard. Like, cause it was, an, cause we are moving into an attention based economy. Like when mm. all of the sun, like when all of the sunk costs for all of the infrastructure for the globe are in, which we're close to, we're within that envelope. <laughs> then all you have is like attention based economy, which is what we're already going into. And like really the higher levels of financial people, they know that that's why they bundled that's up. That's why they're buying Bitcoin. That's why they're buying everything. It's like they're just like funneling um, everything in into their yeah, because they know like gigs up, you know. And but yeah, that's that's definitely this the realm that we're moving into is that like the person to person transactions without the middleman, and it's like yeah, it's going to be affected on the blockchain. The blockchain is like perfectly designed to accommodate the future, the future of quantum computing, the future of interstellar travel, the future of like all these different things. And it's going to be out in, because right now, AIs, yeah, AIs. And like, cause one of the great barriers to like engineering things into the future has always been the meddling hands of like petty of governments. Yeah. Like, the hands of man, the hands of man, <laughs> corruption. <laughs> The potential for corruption. The potential. I mean, just take it out of the equation. That's like the best thing. The, uh, 
Oh, what were you just saying? Now, moving forward, I totally lost the it. The attention-based economy, peer-to-peer. Attention-based economy, yeah, the whole thing going down. This, uh, yeah, I totally lost my thought. It was a good one, too. but It was a good one. Uh, well, I suppose it all it all harkens back to Pele. Pele. We go back to Pele. Pele. Attention-based economy. If you can... Oh, you know, we in the promo video, we kind of tease it that. Like, do, everything's motivated by profit, dominated by attention, right? And I, I ask myself... Oh, I think I remember what I wanted to say. But I ask myself if... Same thing, yeah, the blockchain. I ask myself, is this... Is what we're working on going to change that? Does it need to be changed? Like, blockchain can be very dystopic. That's... When you think about it, like, wow, they can log all the transactions, link them all together, but it can be very dystopic, uh, especially to people that believe in cash, right, and believe that taxation is theft and all this stuff and believe that, you know, why should I pay taxes to fund these wars and this and that. The, yeah, the blockchain kind of, like, keeps you in that system. However, on the other side of things, you could argue that we're meant to be transparent just as holographic fractals of the universe right like (laughs) i mean like what's the point of trying to hide anything like yeah sure i don't believe in governments using my tax i'm i'm not opposed to tax money because i think there's some really good things that can come to society from tax money but are those good things coming or not that's another (laughs) question and so in that case yeah well there's a there's there could be argued that there's a good use to be able to hide your money in cash from the tax man, right? Uh, but what happens when these governments and these systems render themselves obsolete? Like, they're doing it on their own. Big tube, like, you know, we market it as like, okay, big tube, you know, we need to, you know, we need to create something that can offer a solution to big tube centralized control. The fact is, is they're doing it on their own. Yeah. With everything you were mentioning earlier, they show you one side of the coin, it's a one trick pony, one horse town. Like, they, they only show you this, and more and more people are, are figuring it out. Meanwhile, the uh, the older generation is dying off. The people that still believe in that, like it's the Bible. Even people my parents' age know that it's all ridiculous. And yeah. So it's trickling away, and we're just trying to create some kind of net for people to like jump yeah. into and be like, "Oh, cool." I can. Yeah. No, the Radio Shack generation is dying off. <laughs> like yeah. we're, we're then they've been and let's face it, they've been damming up what we can do the younger generations who are like ready for the quantum and ready for the real tech to be unleashed in a more egalitarian way so this egalitarian real tech apply that to this concept of an attention-based economy yeah where essentially content is king if if we're going to go that route of saying an attention-based economy uh is the only economy uh when content is king so what happens if we can descend? I don't know if decentralized content is the right term here. It would be a re- content creation. I don't know. It would be a cool buzzwordy term, but I don't know if that's yeah, actually it's more like the process here. It's like freedom encrypted content or something. It's it's a less it's a less like revolutionary like tinge to it. It's more of a it's more just about like ensuring that your creation lives without other people being able to like delete it. So what? Ha- well, that's one aspect of it for sure. I think for me personally, there's going to be different use cases for different users. Of course, for me, I just want to be able to create and make a living doing so. Yeah, I want to be able to have a just a few people that believe in my work and can help me out to to make my music videos or whatever it is. Yeah, and, and get my work out there. Uh, and I think a lot of artists and musicians and and creators of that nature want the same thing. You know, they say in YouTube that the amount of money you make from monetization unless you're freaking huge you'll make more just with a patreon Mm. you can turn off your ads 
and just do a Patreon if you have a solid community. And I know other crew, I, I follow Guitar Teacher on YouTube. He just has his own website community where if you sign up and pay whatever, five bucks a month, you can request a how-to on his YouTube channel. Mm. But you only can do that if you are a member. So, I mean, eventually, guys like him are just going to put his platform on some kind of a smart contract. So not only that, but his patrons can actually make some money back, which would mean he's making more. So at the end of, at the end of all of that, it just leads to more empowerment to all levels of, of creators. But I want to circle back to this attention-based economy thing. So if we decentralize content creation or if we, if we were able to dethrone content as the main source of, of entertainment. Like we always need more content so it can be consumed. So that's what we're doing is, you know, we're the little holdly guys on BigTube, Planet BigTube, going to work every day to make our content to make BigTube more money. What happens to attention and attention-based economies? Are we still an attention-based economy if society starts to see that it's not about content, it's about the creation? Like when I'm creating a lot, I don't consume a lot. I yeah. like to. I enjoy watching a show or reading a, a fantasy book before bed just to leave this world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but it's not a ton. It's enough to, you know, to disconnect. You know, I, I think it's a good it's a good point and I think, you know, in my personal experience and what I've seen is that you have to you have most people, most creators, you have to get you have to consume a certain percentage before you're ready to create truly. Now there's some people that don't. Some people come in like they don't care. They just like make stuff from day one. But most people I know, they have to absorb and study and saturate themselves with different forms of creation before they're ready to go do it themselves. Like, you know, Quentin Tarantino was like working in a music or in a video rental shop. And all he was doing was absorbing films for like 10, 15 years before. And he didn't go to film school. He just watched all the films mm -hmm. and got saturated in it. And then one day he's like, I need to go make films. Mm. And then he did it. And I feel that like, that's the natural sequence of things is mm. that like, you'll get saturated, then you go start making. And then once you start making, then your balance changes of like, to match up with whatever you're doing. Like you get inspired, you get inspired. Like I'm sure like Yo-Yo Ma, like I'm sure when he sits down to listen to some music, he has a very particular reason or, you know, guidance for why he listens to certain music and in the conditions he does versus like, if I'm like hot boxing in a car and I turn on some <laughs> hip hop and I'm like, yeah, you know, like we got different, you know, it's all yeah. different. The consumption rates change as you become a creator and they serve your creation needs or your escape needs or whatever. But like, especially with music, yeah. Music's a different type of storytelling. And I think a lot of times when we think of content, it's, I mean, content is blogs, content is videos, content is audio. But yeah, when we talk about more of a, like a, I guess linear, I guess music has to be linear, right? Because it's, it's happening in that progression. But when we're reading a book that's telling a story or watching a video, it's a form of content that takes over your consciousness completely. You know, you're becoming the characters, which is why you're empathizing with them. Your brain's going through all these connections. And with music, we can use that form of content as like a background, as a tool. Yeah. Right. I can't, I mean, yeah, sure. We could put on a video of trippy sounds and, or trippy, you know, effects of swirls or whatever and I can use that as a tool but the storytelling of music in that medium acts as a yeah as a tool as opposed to as opposed to what as opposed to a uh, a typical form of content that must just be consumed now it can act as that but does it when we're using it as a tool not yeah. so much I mean the I think the best thing to keep in mind is that I think the greatest struggle or the greatest challenge for any person is to understand beyond their own experience. 
And I think that content, even if it's like referential, even if it's just like how to like fix your spa, you know, ranging to like great epic stories at the end of the day, like it expands you out of your own thing. Like you're surrendering yourself to someone else's experience to some degree and like Mm -hmm. understanding beyond your own experience. And I think that that is why it always will be necessary in the human experience and that Mm. any attempt to stifle that will be like over time will be like crushed like a dam overflowing that's a good way of putting it i think that's a good closing note what about you i like it i think it's great and thanks for having me and to everybody else in the brain trust out there you guys he has he's put together an amazing team and this this it's a great journey that this is beginning and if you're watching this and you want to get into the system when the system comes up it's like it's going to be a great return on positivity and Jordan's, time Jordan's you can a great already visionary. get into the system yeah how can people find you uh, just google the Johniverse if you just look up the Johniverse you could, you'll find me and uh, yeah drop a line say hi all right y'all have a good one in a world where profit motivates everything and attention dominates